that. Beautiful. <laughs> there we go. All right. All right, so what I got, let's see if this will work, first of all. Let me turn it on. Because I move around. All right. All right. It even works. Beautiful. Let me move this forward. Open this so I have it. So, and I don't see a clock anywhere, so you guys will have to give me a. Hmm. Do you have a window of time? Okay. I like that. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's my usual. Yes. Yes. I always tell people if you're done before I am, you're free to leave. You're just completely free to leave. So, all right. Yes. So, so today there's a couple things that I've been working on and actually um, some of this information is in my new book. I'll talk about that a little bit. I don't have any copies of the new book because it's officially not out until the 26th. Ooh. Well, what I already wanted to talk about and being with you guys always stirs anyway, but so, so it's available for pre-order, but it's not available right now. It ships after the 26th. So get it now. So it bumps it up on those algorithms and all that, you know, how that stuff works that I don't actually know. Um, but if you buy it ahead of time, it just makes it better for me in some way. I don't know how, and it makes it better for you because then you get it right away and then you get to be more free. So, so, yes, yes, all that, do it all, <laughs> all the things. So, but today we're going to talk about the supernatural power of personal responsibility is what I want to talk about. And I know that's a, that's like two things that don't necessarily fit together in your mind, right? So, but it does, hopefully it'll make sense to you when I'm done, is what I'm hoping. And, and, and I'm going to kind of talk about it in, in coordination with the idea of demonic strongholds. And you guys have heard that term before, right? So, be open-minded. You know, you, you know you have to be open-minded anytime I come and talk, right? <laughs> because it's, it's just I have a different way of thinking um, sometimes. And, there's reasons for that, and, and I'll, we're going to talk about that probably a little bit too. But, but so in that place of looking at personal responsibility, the supernatural power of personal responsibility in connection with strongholds and the rest of your life too. But it's just, I've heard a lot of talk about demonic strongholds lately, and it's made me think at one point. I did some research, and you're getting the results of that, which some of that is in, in my new book, because part of maturing into yourself is personal responsibility, right? You cannot mature into yourself if you don't actually take some personal responsibility. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. So I'm going to start out with scripture in uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5, well, 4 and 5. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, right? We know that one. So they're not of the flesh, but we have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Right? You guys are familiar with that one. You've heard that. We've probably quoted it a bunch of times. So 
So we're going to look at destroying strongholds, arguments, and every lofty opinion. And this is where it may transition a little bit in some of your thinking. And I'm going to ask you to be open-minded. And as I tell everybody also, you don't have to agree with me. I'm completely fine with that. You know, it's just, you know, just if you've done your own study, you have a different opinion, that's okay. We don't have to get in a fight like, like uh, Pastor Bob was mentioning. You know, we don't have to. As a matter of fact, as you mentioned that, you don't even have to go outside of the church. It's much easier to get in a fight with a Christian than it is someone outside of church. It's so it's sad but true. You know, it's so much easier. And yeah, yeah. It's so let's let's break these out. I like to break things out. If you know me so far, I list, I break things out, I look at the, the Greek and Hebrew words, I like to do that. And so we're gonna look at destroying strongholds first, because that's a key factor. And in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, the, the Greek word used for strongholds is ahoroma. And I'm going to let you know what it means, what that word actually means. So the it's Strong's G, 3794. And what it means, a castle, a stronghold, a fortress, a fastness, the idea of holding safely. Anything on which one relies, reasonings used to defend your position. All right? So... This is my opinion, looking at what that word is in the scriptures of what God's talking about, is the strongholds are the things that we are personally holding on to for safety and the positions we are defending rooted in and causing fear. That's what the strongholds are. And we're going to break that out more in a little bit. But then we look at arguments, right? Destroying arguments. The word used in there is Strong's G3053, which is logismos. And what that is, is arguments, is the computations, the reasoning, imagination, judgments, and decisions. Right? That's what that is. So if we look at the arguments piece in this scripture, what that is, is the arguments are the imaginations, the reasonings, the judgments we use to prove our positions and our decisions right, rooted in and causing guilt, is what the arguments are. And then destroying lofty opinions, right? So destroying lofty opinions, the Greek word for the lofty opinions is Strong's 5313, hypsoma. And what that is, is an elevated place or thing, a barrier, a high thing. That's all that is. So, so the lofty opinions, in my opinion, the lofty opinions are the barriers, the false idols, the false identities that we elevate above the knowledge of who we are in Christ and who God is, rooted in and causing shame. That's the lofty opinions. That's my humble opinion, right? So, so if we look at that, if we look at the strongholds, we look at the arguments, we look at the lofty opinions, and this is my world, it's always dealing with inner healing in some way because the truth of who we are is already true, right? That's If you've heard any of my messages, it's the same thing you guys probably believe. We're not in the process of becoming who we are in Christ. We already are who we are in Christ. We're in the process of believing the truth of who we are in Christ, right? So, so it's already true, we just don't believe it. And we always manifest what we believe, not what we know. So we might know the truth, but not believe it, right? And that's the compartmentalization, that's dealing with the unresolved trauma. And that's what I would say is that all of all of the strongholds, all of the arguments, all of the lofty opinions that we have, and I got plenty, don't get me wrong, right? I got plenty of them. 
So we wouldn't be friends if I didn't, right? Because we wouldn't fit together the way that we do. So, so they're all based in unresolved trauma, in my opinion. And I want to break that out, right? Because there's a difference between trauma and unresolved trauma, trauma right? Trauma, right? Trauma is just a, is just a distressing, distressing or disturbing, disturbing thing. thing. That's all it is. Look it up online. That's all it is. Trauma is trauma just a distressing, distressing or disturbing thing. We deal with that all the time, throughout the day, every day. But an unresolved trauma, what that is, is when we experience some kind of distressing, doesn't matter. It actually doesn't matter the intensity of the event. What matters is the lie that gets established in that trauma that we now believe. And that lie is the glue that bonds us to the emotional distress of that trauma. Does that make sense? And when we believe a lie, just like Adam and Eve did in the garden, if you've heard my message, you know this one, it's in my identity restoration book. But when, when Adam and Eve were lied to by the enemy, and they believed the lie, they ate the fruit, right? My opinion, eating the fruit was not the problem. Believing the lie was the problem. That's the original sin, in my understanding. They would have never eaten the fruit if they didn't believe the lie. So that's why when I work with somebody with identity coaching, what I would say the fruit of your lie would be the details. Completely meaningless in the process of healing, my opinion. So I don't deal with any details, and that's why I can work with anybody. You know, male, female, doesn't matter what happened to you because you don't have to tell me what happened to you because it's not part of the healing process. Now, so now sometimes you need to express yourself, right? You may have never told anybody. There is a time and place, right? There's a time and place for it, but it's but never it's the never right the time right, and never, never the right place to tell me about it, right? That's just, that's me. That's my boundaries. So I don't have capacity to hear your junk. There's like six people in my life that have that right, right? And, and it's just not something I can handle. It's just, and we'll talk about that too on, on why. Probably you'll understand in a minute, but or in a couple minutes. But if we're looking at that, the fruit are the details of whatever happened, the behavior of your faith, right? Of whatever that unhealthy kingdom fruit is. We don't need that information. But what also happened when they believed the lie and they hated the fruit is they started self-protecting in fear, shame, and guilt. They hid from God in fear. They covered themselves in shame, and they blamed each other in guilt. Same stuff we do. That's just, and whatever you want to call that. Coping mechanisms, defense mechanisms, ego, whatever. It's, it's all the same, just systems of self-protection. And so all of the stuff that we're dealing with, strongholds, we're dealing with arguments and lofty opinions, somehow that all rooted, whether it was Adam and Eve's unresolved trauma that blasted the fall of the world and changed everything, or it was our own personal unresolved trauma, because we can have inherited unresolved trauma, or we can have, we can have experiential, experiential unresolved, unresolved trauma. trauma. Right, because right. there's, there's, there's things, things that happen, that happen gen, gen, in, in, families, in families, so generationally passed down or culturally passed down. Right, even even within this, I grew up, I was born, born in Baltimore, grew up in Anne Arundel County. You know, Baltimore is an interesting place. I'm a Baltimoreon, technically. You know what I mean? It's just, that's that's where I was born. That's just my area. 
the cultural lies in that area are a little bit different than right here even. We don't even have to go outside of the country, right? All right, you got multiple different cultural influences that affect, that got handed down to you and lies that got handed down to you. It's just normal, right? I, I have my false normal, you have your false normal, but none of us were born into the fullness and truth of the kingdom of God. Do you get that? So it doesn't matter how Christian your family was, it's somehow it's, it's corrupted from unresolved trauma from the fall. Then with the experiential stuff, you know, you have direct, you know, and some of the inherited stuff can be religious also, but it could be culturally or generationally just still handed down to you. But experientially, we have religious trauma, right? Religious unresolved trauma, relational, situational, thematic patterns through your life, through your life that, that, that cause particular, particular lies, lies and, and cause you to self-protect in certain ways. ways. And you have loss. And what I would say is those the strongholds, the arguments, and the lofty opinions are really just a self-protection. Some level, that's all they are. No different than whatever, whatever your thing is, whatever your flavor is. I don't want to highlight one because I don't want to trigger somebody in the room, you know? And so I used to love doing that, but now I'm a little bit better at that. It's just I don't do it as much. But so loss itself can be loss we were never created to experience, right? So we never understand it. And we have to just process through to be able to work through the issues so that we can find our, our new normal. And that's one of the books I have is Finding a New Normal, which I only have four or three of them with me today. Sorry, guys, if you wanted one. But I do have some books that will be for sale afterwards. But um, So with all that, there's some level of influence that we've all experienced. Some level of trauma that we just got through whatever it was that didn't affect, you know, there was no lie attached and there's no ongoing patterns or issues with that, right? That would just be trauma. Like something happened, whew, freaked you out for a minute, you moved on, no lie got attached. You just, it doesn't trigger you, right? But the ones that trigger you and you go back and remember, that happens because there is a lie bonded with that. And there's a self-protection that runs that makes sure you keep re-experiencing that trauma. So it's almost like the self-protections are kind of like a security guard for that area of your heart and a talent agent, right? Because that stuff is trying to make sure you can get that gig and relive that emotional trauma, right? That's why that's what I call functional dysfunction, which I, I don't have a resource on that one right now. I, I will, that one's on my list, but all that trauma, all that stuff. I just want you to know that none of that defines who we are, but it does define how we live our lives, right? It's gonna affect how you live your life, your perception, the, the patterns, the habits, the things you do in life, right? All that is affecting you. And it's affected you to the point of the different positions that you have, the different arguments that you have. and. And we were even touching base on that. We even talked a little bit about that today and how it stirs up. And we're going to break that out. But talking about identity, like talking about getting to the place of, you know, all that stuff, all the junk I've had in my life, it doesn't define who I am. But it has defined some of my behaviors, some of the ways I've experienced life, right? Same with you. And just, just want, I want to let you know, like, who am I, right? 
just a little window, a little, a little peek into who am I. And just to give you an idea, like, great, I'm a, I'm a child of God. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a husband. Oh, I miss my kids so much. I'm a father. They're both in California. We've both been talking about this. I miss them so much. So I'm a father. I'm a friend, right? I'm an author. I'm a teacher. What else do I do? I'm an identity coach, right? There's these things I do. Like, I'm someone who God gave a particular revelation about the inner workings. I understand the inner workings of our mind, our soul, relationships, stuff like that. It makes no sense to me how I know the stuff I know, right? He's given me that. I've, I've written five books, right? I, I grew up un, undiagnosed dyslexic. I couldn't really read growing up. I just finished my fifth book. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm neurodivergent. I have a biological disorder. And with that too, I've, I've worked with over 7,000 people. It's over 7,000 people I've seen set free ridiculous, ridiculous freedom. Stuff I never even imagined years ago, I see set free now, right? Catherine and I co-lead an international ministry, right? We've seen thousands and thousands of people do things. There's, I, 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 I actually have a podcast called Your True Identity on Charisma Network. So I, I have a podcast. We, I've done an e-course called Identity Restoration, which I guarantee you, you do that e-course, that thing will mess you up. It is probably a doctorate level course on inner healing, if you want that, and if you want to be more free. So I'm sharing all that because like, it's getting a little braggadocious with that, right? And I did that on purpose, just so you know. Because, remember the neurodivergent piece I told you about? I have bipolar too. And with all that, a lot of times I feel like a complete failure, a complete fraud. None of that means anything. I sometimes have no control over the mood I have. I go up. And my ups are usually just frustrating. They're not highs. I'm elevated, I'm hypomanic, right? I get hypomanic, I get elevated, and it's usually just irritating. And you irritate me. Everybody irritates me, everything irritates me, right? Now the initial swing up from a depression, mm, if I could make a pill for that one, oh my gosh, I would. But it's only a short little hop. Yeah until I get into that annoyance piece, right? And I've written, I think I wrote my first Bible study, totally hypomanic. I've run her over so many times because of it. And I didn't see it. I didn't know that I was bipolar too, right? I didn't know it. I didn't get diagnosed till last March. And that only happened because when we lost our house in the fire four years ago, my bipolar issues started spinning out of control. And I eventually went to get checked out for ADHD 
because I knew I was in the bipolar camp, but I only knew about bipolar one. I didn't know about bipolar two. I wasn't familiar with it. I don't know how that one escaped me, but it did. And I know I don't go into the bipolar one mania if you guys don't know the difference. Well, bipolar one, and I'm not a official doctor, just so you know. It's like I say, I'm not a sinner. I just play one on in my real life, you know? So it's just, so this is just the research. This is just the research I've done. So bipolar one deals with depression, right? So, so if you think about like, you know, there's a baseline, there's a baseline of just the rest of you ordinary people. I call you guys ordinaries because you're not neurodivergent, right? There's about 20 to 30% of the people in the world that are either neurodivergent with an emotional disorder some kind of biological brain disorder or a personality disorder, right? So there's about 30% of us with that are not ordinary. I don't want to be ordinary, but I don't want to be bipolar either, you know, just so you know. So it's like it's something, the neurodivergent, that's cool. I like that, you know, but the issues that come with it are not cool. But getting back to bipolar one. So bipolar one, you have some depression, you go down, you have some depression. They have hypomania also, where there's just hypomania, where things are elevated, they have issues. But what will happen sometimes with bipolar one, they will break the reality, the reality line, and they'll go into a delusion. They'll, like I've worked with people who are Jesus. I've done sessions with people who are Jesus, right? Because they're bipolar one, and in the moment, they're Jesus. And you gotta work around a little bit and get Father God in there, and you know, let him do his work because it's kind of hard to invite Jesus into the situation when he's already sitting there, you know? So, so it's an interesting thing. So I don't go delusional. At least I don't think I do. I could potentially, but it, I haven't got to the part where I've been arrested for my delusions. You know, I, I, I've done some crazy stuff in my life. So they, they go to, into the point of like what you would call breaking reality, what I call breaking reality. But Bipolar 2, what we have is we deal with a lot of depression. As a matter of fact, bipolar 2 people deal with more depression than someone who's diagnosed with uni depression. Just simple depression. It's, it's, that's one of the most annoying things. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so good at inner healing. Catherine and I used to have these conversations. It's like, I'm depressed and I can't figure out why. I can't find the trauma. I can't find the lie. I can't find the reason for it. And I'd be depressed for days or a week. I couldn't find it. You know why? Because it wasn't, it wasn't a lie I was believing or a trauma I had. It's either all the way back to Adam and Eve, an unresolved trauma that affected the biology of the world, or somehow through the generational line of something that happened that changed the biological structure of my family line that affected things. And I still don't know if it's fully just unresolved trauma and systems of self-protection or just biological, but I know it's happening right? It's happening. And I know without a miracle, I'll be taking the meds I'm on right now for the rest of my life. And I'm going to let you know, it's like I do inner healing. Started taking meds in October for bipolar two. And it's really just, it's, it's an anti-seizure medicine is what I take. Because what happens is the neural pathways don't communicate properly. So you've probably, if you've heard me talk before, you've heard me, there's a reason why I do this. There's a reason I have to do this because my brain fires off like a fireworks display. I've said that before, if you've heard me talk. 
Now I realize I wasn't lying. Like there's these neural pathways that kind of are supposed to connect in your head and they're supposed to like this thing's supposed to go back and forth. You know what mine do? They wherever they want to pop. Doesn't always happen, but the different the different aspects of my neural pathways don't communicate properly. I'm neurodivergent. My brain operates differently. Bipolar is on the autism scale or autism spectrum at some level. It's what, what some people consider that on the spectrum of bipolar along the same thing. I'm just, my brain doesn't operate the way that other people's brains do. That's why sometimes I it's like, hey, guys, check this with Scripture and with Holy Spirit yourself, because I don't know if this is just me going off somewhere or if this is a revelation from Jesus, right? Because let's be honest, supernatural revelation and delusion are very similar. You know what I mean? They're very similar. So I got to check it. You know, I got to check it and make sure. So I deal with that a lot. I deal with depression. I deal. Yesterday I was in, in this annoyance, anger, you know, and like what I deal with when I, I don't even really get to celebrate an accomplishment because you know what happens after I have an accomplishment? I crash. Totally crash. Whew. Every single one of those books, I can't tell you the emotional, emotional turmoil I've been through to develop that product, develop that resource, the highs and the lows and the struggles. And I know everybody has mood issues. I know everybody. Everybody has neurosis, right? Everybody has a neurosis, which is just you deal with depression, you deal with anxiety, right, in a cute little way, you know, is what I would say for the ordinaries. But those of us that are stuck with, with some of the biological disorders, like maybe your, your scope of high to lows would be like this. Ours might be like this. And yours might do this, and then you're back to normal. We'll do this for weeks at a time, months at a time. You know, and there's, I can't declare myself out of it. I've tried. I can't read scripture. I can't worship out of it. Nothing changes it. My brain is not communicating properly, right? And the church doesn't understand that as a whole. You guys are more open to it, I'm sure, because you guys are open to the whole idea of inner healing. But the whole, you know, let's just throw it. I'm a finished work guy, but the finished work movement is just a new legalism. You know, I mean, it's just a new legalism that doesn't allow you to deal with the issues that are causing fear, shame, and guilt. You just have to perform a little bit better for the expectations, right? And if you don't just perform better, it's just because you're, you're just a bad Christian, you know? And you, you're not allowed to go back and deal with the issues. And that's what I share with people. You guys understand inner healing. I don't go back in people's past. We're not dealing in your past. We're dealing with the lies you believe today about your past. So I'm only dealing with the present when I'm dealing with people. You know, because if I believed a lie in my past and I don't believe it today, I don't need to deal with it. But if I still believe it today and I've compartmentalized that area of my heart, I need to deal with it today. Do you see what I'm saying? So that's all I'm doing is, is working with people to help work the lies out. And that's what we do is we help people equip them for a lifestyle of freedom and healing. That's what Catherine and I do. That's what we've been doing. So. I have my struggles, you have yours, right? All of us have our struggles. And so with that, I still have to be personally responsible for my thoughts and my actions, right? 
Now, before I got on meds, I didn't know it. When I would go hypomanic, I didn't experience it. Right? Catherine did. Those people around me did. Like, that's what we would get in arguments about this because she would be experiencing something from me. And I'm like, no. Right? That's not happening. But it was happening. I just wasn't experiencing it. And then we, it was causing a mess. And I, I probably, if I wouldn't have got diagnosed and, and if I wouldn't have gone on meds, you know, which I'm going to tell you, like, you got to hear this right because Catherine and my family are, are really one of the best things in the, in the natural that's ever happened to me. But beyond salvation, me going on meds for bipolar is the second best thing that's ever happened in my life. The second best experience in my life because now I can have that relationship with Catherine that I couldn't have before. I could have that connection because I would see things a certain way. I would read things as criticism. I would get triggered, right? So it wasn't just the normal functional dysfunction of her and me, you know, balancing off our strongholds and arguments and lofty opinions. We had this third like third person in the relationship, which was my bipolar disorder, which was stirring up trouble and causing both of us to not understand what was going on. And I, I don't know this for sure, but I've heard it over and over again as I'm doing my research. There's a 90% divorce rate with bipolar is what I've heard. And I can understand that. Just imagine the gaslighting that goes on, right? And it's not real gaslighting. It's just the, the bipolar person doesn't know they're doing what they're doing. Right? Do you get that? And now that I'm on meds, I can see it. I can look in the back, and that's what I've told Catherine. It's almost like I can look back and I can see myself. I'm not in real person. It's almost like I can watch myself doing that thing. And I can see what I did now. And I can understand it. And now when I get elevated, there's twofold to the to the meds. Now when I get elevated. I know it and it sucks. I didn't used to know it, right? So it's worse for me, even though it's better, you know, because now I can actually be present in that. I can take ownership of what's going on and I can communicate with her like, hey, I'm here today. It's not you, you know, this is where I am. I'm depressed. I'm like I'm starting to like, matter of fact, I think I have a little list. I'll share it with you. I wasn't going to do a whole bipolar teaching, but that's where we are, you know, so. So. Oh, here's my moods. All right, so I, oh, well, after a depression, it's kind of cool. What happens after a depression? First, there's that initial swing, right? There's that initial swing that happens, which, oh my gosh, I love that one. I love the upswing. And, um, but what happens after a depression? I kick into this determined. I'm like, I'm gonna win. I'm gonna kick this. I'm gonna get it done, right? That's one of my elevateds is a determined. But right after that, I get irritated and angry. It's a different elevated state, right? One of my elevators, I get visionary. I get kind of, um, I'll get happy sometimes or I'll get super weepy. Like I just, you know, just want to cry for no reason. Just everything's weepy. One of the ones I get is like this, oh, you know, like the, the drunk guy that loves everybody. You know what I mean? That's one of my elevated ones, you know? So I get the angry cusser, you know? Don't be around me then if you're a little sensitive, you know. And then I get the overstimulated where, and I think this is what puts it on the autism spectrum. Sometimes I get 
And I, some of these times I thought it was a prophetic upgrade. And I don't know if it was or it's, or it's just my mental disorder. I, you know what I mean? I don't know. I got to check them all. But I, I, I've had these times before where, because one of the things with bipolar, everything's combined. Everything, all the information's coming at me. Like sometimes when I'm somewhere in a restaurant, I'm in my, my conversation. I can be in a conversation with you, but I'm in every conversation in the room. It's just a lot of information. Sometimes it's just too much. It's just too much and I can't take it. And I'm just overwhelmed. I'm just oversensitized and I can't be in public. Right? Catherine and I, have been, we were in Target maybe a month ago, two months ago. And I literally, it was like it was so crowded and so busy. And I was in one of these overstimulated moods. And now that I'm, what used to happen is I'd get elevated in a different way and I'd probably get aggressive is what would happen. And I wouldn't feel the aggression, but I would get aggressive instead of being overstimulated. So, because I believe the hypomania is a cover for anxiety, is what I think it is. That's Ray Light's opinion on what hypomania is. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an anxiety self-protection, is what I think it is. So, but with that, but it's also my brain isn't quite working properly. So is it from the unresolved trauma of the real mess I was in as a child? Or is it just biological? Who knows? No one knows. So we have opinions about that. But with that, I was at Target and we're walking and it was just really crowded. And for some reason, and it could have just been my perception at the time too. I don't know, but you know, it was almost like people weren't making way. You know what I mean? It was like I was having to zigzag around everybody. There was no way to get through. And then just all of a sudden I was like, I, I just couldn't do it. And I think I grabbed her. I think she pulled me off to the side and then she had to lead after that. I just can't do it. There's sometimes I just can't do it. And, and sometimes with depression, like one of the things just to, just to help, you know, if you're not familiar with this, sometimes with depression, it's like, oh my gosh, like I get depressed and I don't experience it at the level some people do. But I think the, the proper term is called psychomotor retardation. Like when, when someone who's depressed, they can't get out of bed, it's not because they're sad. It's because they physically can't get out of bed. I don't have it to that level, but I have it. When I'm depressed, I will just sit there and I will stare and I can't move. And I just can't do anything but sit there. I can't get up. I can't move. I could probably force myself, but I just can't, you know? So there's weird stuff we have to deal with that maybe you've dealt with in the past. Like I said, you have your own issues. We all have issues. But for, for what we do with that, we all still have to be personally responsible for what we do. I don't get, like I, most of the time, I'm just now starting to get over that, where like it's very difficult to accept the bipolar diagnosis is like a three to four year process is what people say, um, what the doctors say. And I'm still in that process. Like I know it's a reality but I have not fully given myself permission to be bipolar yet. Does that, there's two different things there. That's the acceptance piece. Cause I, I feel like it's almost like an excuse I'm trying to make. And that's cultural training, religious, cultural, generational training. Cause there was no space for me growing up to have anything, any kind of emotion of my own or any kind of need. That was the abusive household I was in. 
But as we're as we're looking at these things that we're dealing with, and we're trying to take personal responsibility for our behavior, I'm trying to accept that, yeah, I'm neurodivergent and I'm diagnosed bipolar too, but that doesn't give me excuse to treat people poorly, right? Because I didn't even catch it the other day. Catherine caught it more than me. We go to, we were, we went to Chick-fil-A the other day and first of all, just as we got there, they stopped, I wanted a breakfast burrito. And I'm in line, we're one car away when they flipped. And I'm like, I'm like, no, you know? And then, then we get up there and I'm like, can, can I still get a breakfast burrito? They're like, no, we're serving lunch. So I'm like, I literally could have killed somebody. Like that's what's going on with me. It's like so irrational and it's stuck with me most of the day. Like I was, I wanted to, I just, I couldn't get a breakfast burrito at Chick-fil-A. Like I'm telling you, that's how ridiculous this is. But then, so we just got a, we got a gallon of iced tea, right? And then so she asked me, I tell her I want a gallon of iced tea. She goes, okay, hold on a minute. And I think she's checking to see if she has it. She comes back, she goes, oh, okay, what was that? You wanted a gallon of lemonade? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I know, I'm like, and I try to say, no, iced tea, and I just try to say it loud enough, but apparently, <laughs> that's not what happened, you know, because <laughs> I was like, that was my nice, I'm going to kill you voice, you know what I mean, it's just, so, so I'm like, I knew, I already knew I was elevated, I already knew I was angry that morning, you know, but it's like, stuff like that happens, where I have to be super attentive to what's going on, because I might act a fool because I don't have full control of my mood. I have full control of my thoughts though, right? I can still manage those. And now, even though it's like, I'll give you an example though. One of the times, I don't, sometimes I don't sleep for three days. I just don't sleep for three days, don't need it. Maybe I'll pop off at night for like half an hour or something like that, then I'll wake up. One of the nights that I woke up and that happened, you were talking about capture every thought the fireworks display. It wasn't even like just like one of the things patterns with bipolar two and bipolar people's a lot of regret, a lot of loss. I could just continually, it just continually replace the things I don't have anymore, the things I've lost, the regret, the things I've done wrong. I have to manage that. I have to manage that more than maybe the average person. But what happened the one night, it wasn't even regret. It was literally just like thoughts firing off and there was no way of catching it because it would fire off and just poof, then another thought fires off. I just, poof, poof. I did that all night long the one night. Couldn't sleep. And it causes anxiety, but it wasn't even anxious thoughts. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm like, it's just poof, 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 thoughts popping off all night long. And I couldn't do anything. I couldn't make it stop. I couldn't rest. I couldn't find peace. No matter what I did, I tried, you know? And so stuff like that happens to me. And that's what... It, one of the things I'm trying to do is to help create a safe space in the church so that we can talk about these things. Because I see it, especially in the renewal world. Oh my gosh, you know the renewal church. I'm like, I, I've been in the inner heal or in the healing rooms before, you know, and I've been in place. I've even been at churches, you know, it's like, it's like as they go down the line, it's like, okay, praying for cancer, just praying against cancer, praying to bless you. Pray, oh, you got this issue, praying for this this, then somebody has depression or anxiety, it turns into a religious teaching and a correction. It's no longer just praying. 
People don't need your religious opinions when they're dealing with anxiety and depression. Right? It's like like you said, what will it take to make you shut up? You know what I mean? Because you're not helpful right now, you know? I don't need your ignorance and incompetence dumped on me and your inability to understand or deal with your own depression and anxiety, right? And dumped. I don't want that. I don't need it. It's not going to be helpful. But I see it throughout the church is one of the problems. And I, I doubt it happens here as often, but I'm sure it does, right? Because it happens everywhere. I, I do stupid stuff too. I'm sure I've done stupid things when I'm praying for people as well. Everything I know I've got through experiential revelation because I've done that stuff, right? Does it make sense? So I, I, I didn't learn things the easy way. But if we go back, if we just look at that, right? So to, hopefully that makes sense with what I have been for. But because none of that was on the PowerPoint. So I just fired all over the place, as you probably <laughs> noticed, you know? So, but if we go back to the idea of capturing every thought, if we look at that, right? The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ, right? Now, if we try that, if we look at that taking the thought captive, I take it to repentance, right? Because the word repent, when, if we go to Mark 1, 5, or Mark 1.15, he says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel, right? So repentance, that Greek word is metanoio. And that means to reconsider and think differently. Again, it's got nothing to do with your behavior, right? It's just reconsider what you're thinking, think differently and believe the gospel. That's what it is. is you can, and you can't capture a thought. You've probably heard me say, you can't capture a thought you won't let yourself think. Right, because as a good Christian, a good Christian would never think that thought. But you're thinking it, so you need to deal with it, right? So, so he doesn't say deny every thought and pretend like you're in the obedience of Christ. He says capture that thought. And if you don't let yourself be honest about it, you can't capture it. You have to be honest about what's really going on in there. Because you can't repent from a lie that you deny you believe, Right? You just can't. If you, don't, if you don't believe it, how can you repent from it? So, so the idea is you can't destroy and tear down the strongholds, the arguments, or the lofty opinions that you won't admit exists, or you may be blaming on the enemy. That's where the personal responsibility comes in with the demonic strongholds. So, I constantly see that where we love to blame the enemy for our behavior and our thoughts, right? That's one of the things I share is like your bad attitude, your bad behavior, all that. That's not an attack from the enemy. It's a partnership with him. That's what that is. So, and, and let me be clear here. Demons are a problem and they are real. They are just not the real problem, right? People, people ask me all the time, do you do deliverance? I'm like, well, it depends on what you mean by that. You know, because yes, I see people set free. I've physically seen demons run out of the room before. It was freaky the first time. I don't see that often. Five or six times I've seen that. Usually it's in the spirit. But I've seen it in the natural five or six times. And the first time, again, I'm like, oh, wow. I even sent it out to my friends of the prayer group. I was like, you know, either I just got an upgrade 
or I'm more disturbed than I thought I was, you know? I'm not sure which one. But the person got free, so what's it matter, you know? Because I'm like, I, 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 again, that's not a position of mine where it's like, no, I have to be perfectly right because I know I ain't, right? You know, I legally ain't now, you know? I, I, so, so, but, but in those places where we have the strongholds, we have the arguments, we have those, those lofty opinions, there's a real need in there that we all have, right? And it's not getting met is the problem. So, so the thing is what happens if we're blaming and battling demons for the strongholds that we created, we'll never get our needs met. And then we just got to blame somebody else for it, right? Because in the stronghold, that position or whatever it is, whether it's a religious position, whether it's a political position, right? And I would say, even if you have religious positions that you have, and it's not freedom, peace, and joy you're experiencing in that, that is a stronghold that you have based in a lie. Even though you might have some pretty good theology wrapping around it. Hmm. Everybody... I didn't get the same response as some of the other ones, you know? So with that religious position you have that you know is right, right? The Bible is clear. The Bible clearly says this, right? You know, so any one of those positions that you have that has fear, shame, and guilt with it, is most likely based in a lie you believe and not the gospel. Right? That's what, I, that's what I share with understanding the prophetic. If the information you're getting stirs up fear, shame, and guilt, you probably didn't get that information from God. You might want to check that. But in the strongholds, there's a real need for security. That's a kingdom aspect. We all have a need for security. And in the arguments, the actual real need is relationship. And that's how the enemy destroys our relationships, right? And in the lofty opinions, it's a need for purpose. So that security, relationship, and purpose is a natural aspect of the kingdom. And it's a healthy need we have that gets <coughs> ruined by the lies we believe. So instead of getting our needs met, we'll experience fear, shame, and guilt and build strongholds make arguments, and have these lofty opinions, right? So when we're experiencing the fear, shame, and guilt, it's just another term for stronghold argument, lofty opinion. You know, we need to find out what the need is because there's actual needs, even like the inherited junk that handed down to us, right? There's actual real needs in there, even though we got this junk. And for me, one of the, one of the generational inheritances I got is a biological disorder. Right? It's common in my family. It's like it usually passes down. There's a much higher chance of you having some kind of biological disorder if it's already in your family. And I don't know, I still see that as like a result of unresolved trauma, regardless of when it started with Adam and Eve or somewhere in between. But so now what happens with me is when I'm not experiencing peace, we all have to do this. It's like we got to check it. Like, well, is this a situational reaction? Right? Because that happens. It's just a situational reaction that's not going to become an unresolved trauma and you're not going to go back to it, but it's like it's pretty disturbing and you don't like it and you get out of it and then you're okay, right? Is this just a situational reaction? Is it a loss you need to grieve, right? And again, if you can't actually be honest about what's going on, you can't figure out if it's a loss you need to grieve or a lie you need to repent from. 
because then you get stuck just reliving it. And then so we got to see, is it a loss or is it an unresolved trauma or is it a biological disorder? Some kind of issue that's beyond your faith control without, besides miracles, right? I'm, I'm a miracle guy. I've seen tons of, it's, it's frustrating for me because I've seen people with diagnosis that are no longer suffering from the symptoms of their diagnosis that I've worked with. And here, after 15 years of ministry, working with some of the most extreme cases in the world, I get diagnosed with bipolar two, and I can't doubt it because it's black and white. I remember when I researched bipolar two, it was like a documentary of my life. There was no way. I mean, I'd, I'd have to really just deny it. That's why I've committed to be med compliant because that is the most difficult thing with people with bipolar is to be med compliant. Because you're okay and you're like, I don't need this. And there's sometimes I'm like, nah, I'm not bipolar. You know, there's no way I'm bipolar. But then that's just one of my one of my moods where I'm like, oh, wow. It's like, no, I got to pay attention. No, this really fits. This is rational, scientific. This is, this is a real thing. But what I want to talk about that in the sense of like all these different issues is the idea that the kingdom of God is in our midst, right? It's at hand. It's in our midst. We know that. But the kingdom of God is not in that keep that you have within that stronghold. The kingdom of God is not in the certainty of your arguments. And the kingdom of God is not in the fantasy of your lofty opinions. Right? So there's just a question. You know, are you present? Or are you hiding in a stronghold, defending your position with arguments and finding your value in lofty opinions? It's just like, hey, let's check yourself. Where are you? It's just, which one is it? Because I would tell you one of the most common interactions that I see, and this is Ray Light's opinion, again. Um, you know, it's like if you talk to a car mechanic, the car will go by, they can hear it, they'll tell you what the problem is without even having to look at it, right? This is something I've been focusing on for years now. So I see it. I, I pay attention to relational dynamics. And I would say most interactions with people, they are not present actually in a conversation. They're in the back seat of the car or in the keep of the stronghold, observing their self-protection interact with the other person's self-protection. Because it takes a lot to be present and say, hey, this really scares me right now. I'm really uncomfortable and I'm embarrassed and I feel like I can't handle this. So what do we do instead? We pop off into a self, we hide in the keep of our stronghold, and then we start firing off with our arguments at the person, trying to project it onto them, like they're the problem. Does that make sense, right? Because So that's, I see that all the time. I see it, it's, it's sad. It's like, that's why the kingdom of God is in our midst. That's why there's so much turmoil within the church and the denominations, and that's why we argue and fight with each other, is because we're not present experiencing the kingdom of God. And that's where it's at. And, you know, you can check yourself. You can see it. It's like some of those basic ones I could see when I was triggered. Some of the bipolar stuff I couldn't. But I want you to know, like, those struggles are a window into the truth of who you are, but they are not the truth of who you are. So if you want to be known, People need to know about your struggles that are safe. And I know in every conversation, every situation, you can't always let people know what's going on with you. But you need those relationships where you can say, hey, like, 
Like, I, I'm going to be honest with you. Coming here, I had no worries, except that I knew I was going to pop off into the bipolar thing, so I got emotionally stirred. But I wasn't afraid to do that because I was here. And you guys make it safe, right? So I didn't have a problem with that, but I knew it was going to be a lot. But there are times where I'm scared, where I'm nervous. I feel incompetent. I feel like I'm not going to be able to do it. All of us have that. You need those relationships where you can be honest with that. You need those people where you can share. And if the people you're closest with can't, can't be that person, get the help you need. Find that counselor, find that person that you can, you can actually be honest with because you're not going to find healing in those strongholds. You're not going to develop relationships with your arguments and you're never going to have purpose or value in those false identities and those false idols that you've created that you're finding value in. All right, so as the Lord said in Mark 1, 15, he says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Reconsider your thoughts, repent, think differently, and believe the gospel. You have divine power to tear down and destroy every stronghold, argument, and lofty opinion that is raised up the against the knowledge of God and who you are in Christ. Because the truth of who you are in Christ is already true. We just don't fully believe it, right? So you can be present, you can be vulnerable, you can be free, and you can enjoy your peace. It's possible. Even if you have a biological disorder, it's possible. Like, I can find peace in those places. I can, I can find peace in those places. Now, when I'm in a depression, I, I haven't been able to find joy. I'll be honest with you. I'm not going to lie to you and say, oh, yeah, I'm just, no, I just got joy. Joy, 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 joy. No, that's not me. <laughs> you know, I've had to fight for it my whole life. I've had, I, that's one of the things that makes me cry the most when I think of how hard it was. I had to, I thought it was normal for everybody to have to do that. I didn't know because that was my normal. I had to fight hard to be within that like normal window of just, I don't even, normalcy, whatever it is, just to be able to do stuff, just to be able to interact, just to be able to, I didn't know that not everybody was doing that. And 70% of the people aren't doing that. But there's 30% of the people out there battling with something you don't understand. And you never can understand. And it's okay. I was talking with a friend of mine not too long ago, and he was like, people with depression, why, why don't they just exercise? Why don't they just eat right? Why don't they just do these things, you know, and then it'll be better. And I'm like, dude, you don't understand. It's because they have a biological disorder, and they can't. They do the best they can, and that's what I want you to know is do what you can, when you can, and that's enough. That's all you need to do. But if you don't have that disorder, you don't understand. And it's okay because you have your own disorders in some way, whatever it is. Talk with me for a couple minutes. I'll tell you what they are, you know. <laughs> but, but you can be free. And I just want to just speak life over you now. It wasn't my normal happy joy. You're, you're the truth of who you are in Christ, but I hope that was beneficial for you. So, oof. Let me just pray for you. Jesus, I just ask for everybody in this room, everybody that hears this message, just to be blessed, to be able to actually step down and climb out of the keep of the strongholds that they're hiding in, to be able to stop firing off with arguments to prove their position right, 
and to be able to tear down those false idols and those false gods, those false identities that they've been finding value in. Lord, and I just, I just pray for the full conviction of Holy Spirit to convict everybody that hears this message of the righteous truth of who they are in Christ so that they can know that they're chosen and loved. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm. Maybe we won't go out to lunch because uh, I don't want you to point those things out yet. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely. Well, they're closed today. We're, we're good. We're good. We don't have to do Chick-fil-A. They're closed. Well, I was so good on so, so many levels. Um, you know, and it's... Uh, you know, for me, it makes us, it makes me aware, hopefully it does for you too, but it makes me aware that everybody that I come in contact with, including me, is dealing with something. And as we said kind of at the beginning, to be able to start and say, can I just see people the way Jesus sees people? And this kind of cuts across some of our, our, our Christian training. But can I, can I see people without the primary goal that I have to change them? Can I trust Holy Spirit enough to, <laughs> to realize he's the only one that can do it? He's the only one that can get in here to the level that it needs to be gotten into. And there's others that will help me. Like you're saying, I, there, whether it be a counselor, a close friend, a people, they're all there. But ultimately, it's Jesus who comes and says, I want to come to your house for dinner. The good news is when he comes for dinner, he doesn't leave. He's still eating dinner at our house all these years later. He never left. He didn't tell me that in the beginning. I thought it was a quick hour for dinner and Jesus is gone. And he's like, no, no, I just stay. So that we love each other deep enough that we give each other the room that we each need to sit at the table with Jesus. And that oftentimes my place setting looks very different than your place setting. But we're all at the table and we're all eating. And it's his love that's touching all of us. So, um, Let's not rush through this. And, and not that I'm going to keep you here all afternoon because um, I'm not. But. Don't rush through this morning, the rest of this week or next week. Let some things settle and don't be afraid to see. Because I think there's things that the that Holy Spirit is going to be showing each of us that are particular to us. 
And he's going to have conversations with us. May come at night, may come to, I don't know. You know, it may be bits and pieces. That's usually what he does with me because he knows I'm incapable of handling too much at one time. So he'll do it over, over time. So this week, or, you know, in the weeks ahead, just ask him, what do I need to see? Show me the things that I've been unable to see. Maybe this would be over these next couple of weeks, it might be a good time to do some journaling. I'm not somebody that journals a lot, but just write something down. Because sometimes thoughts come, we don't write them down and they're gone. And then two days later, we're going, what was that that was so good and I can't find it? Write it down. And above all, and, and Ray, this was so rich today, but above all, the things that um, the things that God is doing in our life is to conform us to him, not to turn us into some type of super being that is above all this but he's really conforming us to himself so that we can be human beings who live in the midst of each other because that's how he's built the kingdom for us to be relational with each other, not super beings above others. If that makes sense, I don't, I'm not sure how, if that wording's good, but anyway, so thank you. Thank you. And, and Lord, we do as we just stand in what Ray has already prayed and released, uh, Lord, for each of us, for us ordinaries. And if you if you look at well, I'm I'm in the seventy percent group. Yeah, good for you, but you're still weird. And us 30 percenters, if that's where you see yourself, we're all in the kingdom. We're all his children. He never leaves or forsakes any of us. He absolutely loves each of us. And he's after our identities to be in him completely and absolutely, even in our quirkiness, even in the places where we don't quite get it or we miss it or whatever. We're still his. We're still his. And he's particularly fond of you. With that, go home. Amen. amen. I forgot to say amen. <laughs> <laughs>